0: podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk Hello and welcome along to Hope Church Gainsborough as you know in person but also online which is a blessing for us as a church. I've titled today's message, What are the stones for? Now, here in church, everybody has a stone on their chair. They're not for throwing at me in case I go on too long. They're also uh, definitely, most definitely not for eating, although I think you'd have a job on. Um, But uh, we've got a stone, and there's a purpose in that. Um, And hopefully, as we go through today, we'll be able to see why, that is significant. It's fair to say that often when you go to a new place, particularly a city, it's identified by its skyline. You pretty much know where you are by the buildings that you see. For example, let's just come close to home and think if you go over to Lincoln, you know when you're close to Lincoln, don't you? Because you can see the cathedral. It's up on the hill, it's a real statement And everybody knows that you are in Lincoln. And if we stay close to home, although a few hundred miles away, you get to a place called London. And as you get towards London, again, you know that you are heading towards London because you can see some extremely famous buildings. Some of us have had um, afternoon tea in the Shard. (coughs) I won't mention any names. I'll let you decide who they could possibly be. And also, there's a a beautiful building down there called the Gherkin, a random name. Um, Why is it called the Gherkin? It's actually 31st Mary Avenue. But actually, it's called the Gherkin because it looks like a Gherkin. Incredible. Um, And then if we go, in fact, just before we drift on from there, although it's got a scaffold up at the minute, we all know Big Ben as well, don't we? You can hear you're in London, can't you? Although it's not real at the minute, not, that's still true, isn't it? It's not quite real just yet, but, but you know from past, you know you're in London. And then if we just go well, a little bit further afield, you get to New York. Oh, and the buildings. I mean, simply, when you see the Empire State Building, songs have been written about the building. I mean, you know you're in New York when you see the Empire State Building. If you come back to Europe, I mean, you know you're in Paris, don't you, when you see the Eiffel Tower. You just know. And as you approach that place, you see that, and you're immediately reminded of where you are, or perhaps where you're going to. And you can reflect maybe on even the past events that you've had from that place. These huge constructions are signposts almost. But they're also a statement, aren't they? I mean, for a long period of time throughout the world, it was who could build the biggest building, wasn't it? And in fact, at the minute, I don't even know where the largest building is. I assume it's over towards the Dubai area, somewhere around there, because they've been doing a lot of building. But at one time, it was who could build the largest
1: structure.
0: They are a statement. And even in some instances, they bear the mark of those that created them can see the name on the building. Who owns them? So that you can see from a distance what they're all about. They stand out and therefore you can see and know where you are. They're meant to be recognised, aren't they? Well, in Joshua chapter 3 and 4, Israel are about to step into the promised land. Joshua is now the leader. There's a a handover period in essence, but Joshua um, takes over from Moses as Moses knows that it's his time to go home. and The Lord takes him home. And Joshua is the man then that God has chosen to lead Israel into the promised land. And they've cased out the land. They've seen that actually it isn't going to be as easy as they thought it might have been. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be times of trial. But, as God has reassured them, if they stick to God's plan, if they follow God's instruction, they will most certainly make it. First off though, between them, and the promised land is a river, the River Jordan. Now this river, as I understand, is quite big, but it's even bigger at this current time because it's in flood. Now if you've ever seen a river in flood, we have one quite close. As we drive over the bridge into Gainsborough, we have that privilege. Some of you drive out of Gainsborough over the bridge and often because we live in the UK. The river is literally in flood, and it is huge, and it seems impassable, and impossible, thank you. Now, this does not, in this instance, as we're going to read in just a moment, hinder the progress, because God is on their side, and God has a plan in place. So let's catch up with the the account then. Chapter three of Joshua. I'm going to start at verse fourteen, and I'm going to read right to the end. So this is one of those moments where you take a deep breath. <coughs> I'll try not to make any mistakes, although there are several large names which could trip up. But don't let that worry you. So starting at verse fourteen. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all, uh, all during harvest, uh, during harvest. Um, Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Now, if we were to just stop it there, that's pretty incredible. It gets better, okay? Um, It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. Now, I shouldn't have tripped up on vicinity, but I did. Zarathon was coming. But don't panic. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up, here you go, 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So, so as, hang on, <laughs> to serve as a sign among you. There we go. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, while it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them, and they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day, certainly to the time of writing. So now the priests who carried the ark um, remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded. Let me just read that again to you and just think about it, okay? Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing where? In the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to come out of the Jordan. Do you think they rushed out? (laughs) So Joshua commanded the priest, come out to the Jordan, and the priest came out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their foot on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as before. Now, I know that's a lot to take in in a short moment of time, and i almost got through without any mistakes at all. But what an amazing moment in, in, in Israel's history. The nation had experienced a similar instance, if you remember, as God parted the Red Sea and they crossed on dry land. But here, the Jordan River backs up It backs up into a wall of water a a fair distance away, and the, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they reach the water's edge, the water stops flowing, and they don't cross over fully. In fact, they stand in the middle of a now dry riverbed that's in flood, remember, And they now stand in the middle of the riverbed while the whole of Israel cross over. When I was looking at this and thinking about our journey as children of the Lord, how we step into the unknown, there was something that triggered in me that made me think about the the precarious position that the priests were in as far as the outside would see. It looks as though it's madness, doesn't it? that they would stand in the middle of the river. Okay, the river stopped flowing, but you think of how much it takes just to stand there for a long period of time, knowing in the back of your mind that there are hundreds and thousands of gallons of water that were flowing through this very point just moments ago, and here I am, stood in the middle of it. What happens if somebody does something wrong? You with me? What happens if we make a mistake? If we drop the ark? <laughs> can you, I mean, the sweat would have been unbelievable. If I'd have been one of those guys stood there, like, look, I know God is faithful, amen? But my word, don't breathe. Do, don't even move, don't look at me, stop looking. To just look straight ahead. Because you can imagine, can't you? I mean, we read over these things and we just think, oh, well, that's what they did. You know, this is a position where they are completely and utterly dependent on God. They, by no way, could stop that water themselves. Impossible. If you've ever tried to stop the smallest amount of water flowing, if you've ever mixed cement on the floor, you pour water into the middle and you try and keep the water in the middle until you've mixed it all, just just that little break in the bank and it's all over and before you know it you look very silly That so might just be me and my life but anyway these things do happen and, and here they're in a position where they're completely dependent on god and i sometimes think for us as children of god that we often think that the next step is going to be easier than the last one is anybody with me there you know i sometimes think you know god it can't be as difficult as it was last time Because, you know, I was on the edge, like, you know, you've seen nothing yet. We're about to step into the complete unknown. Oh, and I've seen in in our history, as Israel look here, we've seen in our history that you parted the waters before, but I'm not being funny, that was C. Two banks, two walls either side, I can cope with. You're backing up, Lord, hundreds of thousands of gallons. If we do something wrong, we're in a pickle. And I think sometimes, and, and this might just be me, but I think sometimes God has to put us in a position where we cannot actually do anything. We have to trust him in the process. We have to say, God, there is nothing I can do in this moment. I mean, I am completely and utterly helpless, but I am full of hope because I know that you're in control. And I just have to trust. And we, we, we have to keep breathing. <laughs> don't don't stop the breathing. We have to keep breathing and we have to trust that God is in control, that he has tomorrow already set out. He's already told us, hasn't he, that the Alpha and the Omega is the beginning and the end. So I can step into tomorrow knowing that God's already there. We, We have that privilege as his children. And if we don't get the opportunity to step into tomorrow, well, we're at home with the Lord. The Bible tells us to be out from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So we we're in a win-win position, yet often we think, I, I just make this next step easier than the last one because that was quite difficult. And I can imagine that the priests here in this moment would have been saying to each other, look, just remember the milk and honey. This is what God's told us, we're going to a land flowing, don't say flow, (laughs) please. We're going to, okay, a land with milk and honey, that's where we're going. Just be expectant that God is going to deliver. The next steps, church, aren't always easy. And from the outside, they don't always seem like we've got it all together. And the truth is, we probably haven't, but we worship one who does. We worship one who has it all together. We worship one who is in control. So we are able to step. And as Israel then crosses over, just to you know get the account to an end, they cross over safely. Joshua instructs the twelve men he appointed from each tribe to go and to get a stone. Now I'm expecting that they were bigger than this. <laughs> Maybe the half-tribe of Manasseh were like, well, there's only half of us, so. I worked on that one for a while as well. Terrible. And and the Lord says to them, Joshua says to them, go and get a stone from right near where the Ark of the Covenant is. That place in the middle of the river. That place that nobody can get to unless God had provided a way. Go and get a stone from there. Not from the bank, Not from the tidal areas at the edge. Go to the middle, the place that's out of reach unless God has delivered. That's where to go and get a stone. Trust that God has got it. Trust that he is in control and go and grab a stone from that place. Listen, as we see in chapter four, verse four through seven. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, And said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulders, that's why I can assume it's bigger than the pebble, Um, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, listen to this, in the future, when your children ask you, what do the stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When, uh, When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And then verse nine, it says, Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. This is a moment that needs to be remembered. This is a moment that needs to be fresh for people to know and understand that God has delivered on his promises. Joshua sets up the 12 stones as a memorial, a reminder that whenever they are seen, firstly, that your mind is refreshed as to what God can do, what God has done, And prayerfully, what God is going to do. And also then, secondly, that we are able to tell our children of all that we know and understand that God can do. Because often as generations pass on, they don't know how we got in this building. They don't know how we got here and the process that allowed us to be in a position where we have what we have. They don't know, they just think it is. So we have to remind, we have to show, we have to tell. And then as they see and they understand, they see God's faithfulness, they see his hand of provision in everything that we do as a church. And then they can understand that that is a God that I want to worship because he's in control. He is able to back up the waters of the River Jordan we're able to cross on dry land. Why? Because we're wonderful? No. Because we have the apparatus to make that happen? No. But because God did. And that church should be a statement for us because God did. It isn't because of anything that we could ever possibly do, but because God did. God is able. And church, you know, as Joshua goes through this, so that they have a memorial to show for all that God's done. The process wasn't easy you know there was danger at every turn and as they built a the memorial all that would be remembered it's not to be forgotten things aren't always easy things don't just happen there are things that happen in our life that are tough we shouldn't just forget them we we often we look forward to the future and that's good we don't dwell on the past no but we remember because it's important because it's where we've grown from. It's what the Lord has taken us through. And we might be on the mountaintop at the minute and we can celebrate. We might be right down in the valley thinking, Lord, please help. But wherever we are on that scale, we can trust that God's faithful because we can look back and see that he's done it before. And he's going to do it again because this is the God that we worship. The next steps for Israel from this moment were also not going to be easy. I mean, if you just read on a few pages, (laughs) it is tough. But, because Joshua had wisdom from God, he set up a memorial that said, when times get tough, get back to this place, bring your children, and understand, and remember that God always delivers his promises the bible tells us as he told the children of israel in deuteronomy 31 verse 6 i will never leave you nor forsake you and church today in 2021 we have that same assurance jesus said in matthew 16 verse 18 i will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Even in a pandemic, separation of months, separation that's caused months of frustration, God will continue, he has continued, to deliver on his promises. Why? Because he is faithful. So what we're going to do when we finish today, we're going to worship him, we're going to break bread together. But what we're going to do at the end, we're going to take our stone, and there's a jar at the back just on your way out and you're gonna place your stone in that jar and that stone is staying in that jar and much to everyone's delight because it's probably not aesthetically pleasing, it is staying on display, do you know how long for? As long as possible. And if we move to a new building, it's coming with us. And then if we move to another new building, it's gonna come with us. And that jar is going to be that thing where we're going to go back and we're going to say that God has brought us through a time that has been hard. There are generations that will not experience what we've experienced. And we're going to say God has been faithful and he's delivered on his promises because his promises are yes and amen. And we worship a God who is in control. Amen.